Hey guys, welcome to our show. Today we're going to talk about living with a multi-dog household long-term successfully. So a lot of people talk about doing this, but we, we live it and our dogs are safe and happy in our households and we know there are a lot of people that struggle. Mm-hmm. So we just wanted to go over some things that have helped us and some things that can help you if you are struggling. Cool. Do you want to start it off with the list? Cool. So most importantly, um, if you're thinking about getting a second dog, first thing to do is make sure that your first dog is already prepared for that kind of situation. So if your dog is already acting a little messy and a little crazy, um, you really, really want to dial them in first just so that you have the ultimate level of control when the second dog arrives. Um, So the most important things for the first dog getting prepared for the second dog is I would say crate training is one of the number one things. Um, making sure that you can reliably keep your dog somewhere else if you have to do something with the other dog in the beginning. Um, Making sure that dog is easy to socialize. Yeah, getting yeah. a second dog without having your first dog crate trained mm-hmm. is a nightmare. That's horrible. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen that work properly. I mean, mm-hmm. there are probably people listening to this that that have made it work, but there you probably had a problem here and there. I can guarantee yeah. that. Or uh, a very very easy first dog. Exactly, or a very easygoing dog. But if you have mm-hmm. like a dog with even the slight bit of a selfish temperament or a bit of a possessive dog, mm-hmm. and then you don't crate train the dog, and then you get another dog, it's it's definitely gonna be a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, making sure your first dog is like social in some capacity is pretty important too. Like if you have some Cujo dog, obviously <laughs> you I might know. not be a good candidate for getting a second dog. Um, what else? Uh, if you're getting a second dog to accompany your first dog, mm-hmm. 100% do not get a second dog. Yeah. Get a second dog because you're happy with your first and you feel like adding a second will make your whole mm-hmm. family better, including mm-hmm. the dog, including yourself. Because if you just add a dog for the other dog, it's it's very stupid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that dogs learn habits from older dogs. So even if you have an older dog that has a lot of qualities that you do like, um, that the new puppy or new adult dog that you bring in will just assume those good qualities you like about the first dog. But the new dog that comes into the house usually never inherits the qualities, the good qualities of the other dog, but they do inherit the bad ones very quickly. So like if your first dog is leash reactive or barks out the window or has potty training issues or resource guarding or any kind of stuff like that, those things easily, easily transfer into the second dog. But good things like your dog being very relaxed and calm and being social, all those kind of things, those traits don't really translate into the next dog. Exactly. Yeah, that's 100% true. Mm -hmm. Number one is like the barking. Oh, yeah. Barking barking. for dogs, that multiplies. If you have one dog that barks and you add another, they're Mm -hmm. both going to bark. And then if you have two dogs that bark and you add one more, all three of them are going to explode. Yeah. It's just going to be horrible. <laughs> Three barking dogs I know, in one it's like, house. We always see that, that too. That's so scary. So we're only bringing this up because I guess the point we're trying to make is if you are getting a second dog, make sure you're happy with the first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very important. Uh, okay, so we'll talk about what to do with the dog that you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, structure-wise, we'll talk about what to do with your current dogs. This needs to be strict. And the reason this needs to be strict is... We're not talking about a good one year with your dog or a good six months. Like we want to make sure you can live a very long-term happy life with both mm-hmm. of them. And we want them to know that there's order in the house and there's no, it's not a playground and the dogs aren't going crazy all the time mm-hmm. because that's what creates fights mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. A lack of order in the house creates fights. Cool. Okay. So structure first, what should the day look like? So uh, you want to tell them about what yours looks like? And then sure. Like tips you can take so, from that? Um, most important thing I think is having no unsupervised time between multiple dogs. Even if your dogs get along like amazingly for a very long time, there's always like they're still dogs. And there's 
instincts and all that kind of stuff that comes into play so the way my life looks with my dogs right now i wake up in the morning two of my dogs are in a crate one of them sleeps on my bed and she slept on my bed forever so i've always made it very clear that whatever new dogs come into the house they will be crate trained um well obviously wolfie's crate trained too but um have them sleep in the crate and i don't really want to compromise what i already have going with her um so she sleeps on my bed they sleep in their crates we wake up um usually i'll take them out one by one to go potty and then i'll feed everybody everyone gets fed separately so each dog gets fed in a separate room so that they don't see each other eating just so they never ever think about the other dogs while they're eating um they each do a little bit of individual playtime and then when i want them to have playtime together that's when they're allowed to have a little bit of free roam together but it's always very very supervised um and then they come to the facility they stay in their separate crates we do we bring each of them out for sessions and throughout the day to do exercise and stuff like that their own personal training and then and then they get a little bit of free time together at home which is obviously still monitored and if one of them is getting a little too excited out of hand anything like that they get either created or placed or something like that while the others play so there's like a high level of control in my house perfect yeah yeah that's that's super important a high level of control is probably the most important thing when you're when you're doing this like mm-hmm. people underlook that they let the dogs play that excessive amount of play the excessive amount of excitement and anxiety can cause a lot of problems yeah and we have lots of multi-dogs from the same house coming here for boarding trains mm-hmm. uh it's like all three of the dogs behave the same and yeah. it's all the bad behaviors yeah it's like all three behave the same so uh that that just shows me that there's not an excessive amount of control Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. super important to do that. We'll talk more about that and how to do how to control their day. Very importantly or, or very structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, number one, the day should look relatively patterned. Right. Like everything the dog does is relatively predictable. Mm-hmm. The dog doesn't have to make too many choices uh, and everything's clear. So if you're cooking, the dogs lay down. They don't all charge food if you drop food on the ground because, mm-hmm. boom, that's a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're watching TV, the dogs are not pushing for affection at the same time because they mm-hmm. could guard affection. Yep. And we'll talk more about that too. Uh, we'll skip to, to crate training. So yep. why do you think crate training is important for a multi-dog household? Uh, why do I think? Yeah. I think just there's, there's going to be times where you're not home and you can't watch all of your dogs together and you really never know what could happen when they're, when they're home alone. Even if they're not outright fighting with each other, they can be doing little things here and there throughout the day that can build a lot of resentment. So if I left Ashton and Apollo out unsupervised, they'd probably grow to really, really hate each other because they're both intact males. They'd probably both, I don't know, find certain things that they would want to kind of guard, things that wouldn't really happen when I'm not home. Um, And even when I am home, I feed them all in the crate so that they don't see each other like I was talking about before. Um, when they get chews and stuff like that, they each get crate crated. Um, the crate overall for dog training, even in a single dog home is very important for just teaching a dog to learn to chill out as well. So in that case, that's very important. Having three dogs, making sure that you want to not just have them be crazy rambunctious animals all the time together, just teach them. There are some times where you have downtime, um, and stuff like that too. Perfect. So the next thing after crate training we would want to talk about, especially since I just mentioned with the food, um, would be resource management. So anything that your dogs could potentially see as a resource, these are things that you want to be highly aware of um, and highly aware of how your dogs interact with these things, especially around each other. Um, So resources, not just food, not just chew toys or toys or anything like that. Resources can also include furniture or um, 
human affection or like even each other they can if you have multiple dogs more than two dogs they can even guard each other from each other um spaces different stuff like that so knowing what things are resources to your dog and knowing how to micromanage those things so that your dog is not feeling the need to kind of guard those from other dogs so a lot of dogs that we see we had this family come in with three doodles and they had a big problem of dogs fighting over toys and toys were often left out a lot which which obviously caused a huge problem um the biggest thing to do in that kind of situation is just make sure there are never toys left out never chew toys toys any of that kind of stuff they shouldn't ever feel like they're in a state of mind to need to compete for certain things um same goes for food if you live in a multi-dog household chances are you're gonna have one dog that scarfs his food down and then other dogs that are a little bit slower of eaters um you want to make sure that every dog you have in the house finishes their bowl in the first place so they should really really have good food motivation in the first place too but you also want to feed them in the crate so that they realize no one's coming for your food no one's going to come try to steal it or take it or anything like that um and and same goes for like beds affection with humans couches all that kind of stuff too yeah uh with food especially like resources like food i personally think should not be two dogs should not be able to access the same thing. Exactly. It is way, way, way too dangerous long-term. Mm-hmm. And it may seem innocent now because we see lots of people saying, oh yeah, I just leave both my dog's food bowls out. Guaranteed, one of them eats faster than the other. Guaranteed. And if that dog's still hungry, it'll go for your other dog's bowl. And maybe maybe one of the dogs was possessive over their bowl and the other dog learned not to go after his bowl anymore. But why did you let that happen? Mm-hmm. Right? Why did you let your dog be so uncomfortable around your other dog that he had to tell him himself to get the hell away from my bowl. Why mm-hmm. couldn't you do that as a dog's parents? Mm-hmm. Right? You, it's, it's your, or sorry, your dog's owners, not parents. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't you do that as your dog's owners? Because the, the problem with that is you've now, you told your dog, I am not responsible enough to make these decisions in the household. I cannot upkeep this household. You'll have to make these decisions for yourself. Mm-hmm. Don't ever, ever let your dog think that in a multi-dog household. Yeah. Right? So if there's food and if they start fighting over small pieces of food or their bowls, what's going to happen if one day you don't have a structured household and you drop, let's say you're cutting up, I don't know, veggies or chicken or something, mm-hmm. and you drop a piece of chicken fat on the floor and both of them charge the chicken fat, I can say there's like at least a 70% chance of a fight, mm-hmm. right? It's The dogs have already developed so much resentment over food that they see one high value piece of food dropping and boom, triggers a fight. Mm-hmm. And people always say, yeah, they were completely fine until then. No, they were just developing resentment. Mm-hmm. right that's always what happens and then they explode one day so mm-hmm. heavy resource management to give you an example at my house I, I i let the dogs play with toys all the time mm-hmm. but i hand them toys so i'll be like hey broly here's your benabone hey scooter here's your benabone and then i make them sit in one spot on the couch or i make them sit on the floor and chew them they are not allowed to touch each other though mm-hmm. like do not touch each other you guys play with your own toys mm-hmm. leave each other alone and then donna just sits on the couch and chews on a ball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they are not allowed to touch each other. Mm-hmm. Because it, even if it's cute now, and uh, they get used to each other pulling the toys out of their mouth, it could be a problem in a year. And mm-hmm. I don't want to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sometimes you'll even have to be able to tell what kind of play your dog wants to do. Like sometimes... Um Sometimes Wolfie and Ashton will want to play tug together, but sometimes Wolfie just wants to throw the toy around by herself, or sometimes even Ashton does. Um, so just kind of determining whether they want to play with a toy socially or if they want to play with it independently. Um, most toys, though, should be played human, human to dog, human toy dog, and then social play should just be dog to dog. Um, but if they're really, really good with a toy together, obviously supervised. Um, make sure both dogs are willing to and want to play tug instead of instead of wanting to chew on a toy independently on their own as well. Exactly. Like Scooter and Broly play with 
What is what do they play with together sometimes? They usually just they have balls. Yeah, they right? have one thing that they play together. Oh, they? it's they a double sided tug. So there's yeah. a ball on each side. Yeah. But the the most important thing about that is I don't let them dictate that game. Yeah. Because what if they're annoying each other? Mm-hmm. I'll pull it out, and if they want to play, I'll put one ball in Broly's mouth, and then there's a tug line, mm-hmm. and I'll put the other ball in Scooter's mouth, and then they they just pull on it until they're both tired. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good way to tire them out. Yeah, and it's it's pretty funny. So, but the most important thing about that is I initiated it, not them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So I made yeah. them get off whatever they're doing yeah and then i have them engage but it's it's me who told them it's time mm-hmm. to engage mm-hmm. they're not making those decisions on their own cool. uh feeding i think it's self-explanatory i think that's where our dogs are different though because you have two high drive mouths yeah. my one street dog it has to go more based on her intention and play style if she doesn't want to play tug with another dog she's not going to do it but she'll want to go sit down and chew on a toy on her own oh she does yeah, like you can't you can't dictate Wolfie's moods. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, you well, can't the, you can't decide a play style for but her. But the thing is, obviously, if she's chewing, you would never let. Her I would never let anyone okay, go near exactly. her. Or if she was thrashing a toy around on her own, if she had a toy and she saw Ashton and she was like looking at him, I'd be like, yeah, sure, you guys can play together. But I guess I'm still allowing that to happen. Yeah. But but. I don't know. She's just a different dog. Yeah. Uh, every <laughs> dog is different. And remember, if your yeah. dog would rather be alone and do something on their own in that moment, yeah. don't let your other dog bug them. Yeah. But yeah. you guys know your dogs better than we do. We just know the overall behaviors and what they can turn into better mm-hmm. than most people. Mm-hmm. So you just want to make sure you take a good mix. You know your dog. We know what can happen if you mess these things up. So just just uh, play on both ends. See mm-hmm. what you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, feeding. Feeding. I think we kind of talked about that. I in think resources. we did, yeah. Yeah. Just always feed the dogs in a crate. I wouldn't play around. Like, even yeah. if I can feed my dogs marrow bones beside each other, I would never, ever do that. Why would I be that no. stupid? Why would I be that stupid? That's uh, dangerous. In the wild, the only actual animals that do not heavily resource guard and it's, like, built into their temperament are the African wild dogs. They're, like, the lowest level resource guarding animal on the planet. Oh, really? But they still fight. <laughs> <laughs> so if our dogs are more likely to uh, fight than those dogs, why the hell are we letting them chew on marrow bones beside each other? Oh, yeah. They still attack each other. They have, like, an extremely low percentage of resource guarding. They even share food. Like, they'll rip a, an animal apart, yeah. and they'll hand food to, like, mm-hmm. a, a less likely member of the pack. And uh, they share, but they still fight over food. Really? Yeah. When I was in Thailand, I remember specifically, like, we would go on feeding runs, and we would throw kibble down for the dogs. And, like, I've seen adult dogs attack and kill puppies, literally over kibble. Crazy. Because they're psychotic. Animals yeah. are crazy. Yeah. And these are domestic dogs. Like, this is where domestication, as far as I know, basically started from. And these dogs genetically are domestic dogs. Um, they're not like African wild dogs or anything like that. Um, and they're acting like that. It's crazy. That's not just, that's not just out of um, socialization. That's a genetic thing. That's, mm-hmm. that's how they behave naturally as animals. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So possessive temperaments are common in yeah. dogs, but if you have a multi-dog household and a dog that is possessive, which is likely almost every person, uh, you have to manage that situation very well. Yeah. Very, very well. It'd be like your, your human sibling coming and stealing food off your plate every single day. Like you would eventually get pissed off. Yeah. My you, brother did that to me growing up. Oh my God. I would punch the And especially <laughs> if your mom didn't say anything. Yeah. And went like, Hey buddy, can you stop doing that? Mm-hmm. You would have to do it yourself. Mm. And it would be crappy. And then if I punched my brother and my mom still didn't say anything, I would probably punch him all the time. Exactly. I would probably beat the crap out of him every day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You'd probably exactly. do that with your sister, There's too. No consequences. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
toy play and social play. Make sure they're always around each other, mm-hmm. which is important, but make sure they're all mutually into each other. Mm-hmm. Make sure one of them's not like, I want to sleep, and then the other dog goes and bothers the, the dog while it's sleeping. Boom, yeah. fight. Your dog, you've now told your dog that, hey, you don't even get to sleep in this house yeah. because I have no control of this house. And yeah, your brother will come bother you while you sleep. That's yeah. going to piss off the dog mm-hmm. over time. So mm-hmm. all these little things are super, super important. Yeah. Uh, make sure your dog does know a solid no. Yes. Like a vocal no followed through with a correction that you have patterned over a good amount of time so that they know when to stop. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. Mm-hmm. Cool. That everything? Other, do you want to talk about other commands they should know? I think a very important command to know when you have multiple dogs is an out. Out, So yeah. f- out off of food, obviously, is extremely important. Out off of playing with other dogs is pretty important, too. Um, place is pretty important. Place. A verbal crate command is amazing. Yeah, like go to your crate from, like, you know, yeah. 15 feet away. Is nice. Or down. Or, or down is very important. Down's your favorite. I know that. But, uh, yeah, down is... <laughs> wow. <laughs> what? Yeah, down is very important. <laughs> I like place because I could send them further away if they're, like, breathing down my neck. <laughs> yeah, that's all mouths. Uh, yeah, I, I think know that's, that's about it. Obviously a nice heel off leash. You know, one of the biggest problems I had with my two dogs is when I play Frisbee, mm-hmm. one of them wants to bring the Frisbee back to me. So I play with both of them at the same time because some days I'm too tired to do individual. Mm-hmm. So I play with both of them at the same time, and I've had a few really difficult days where I would throw the Frisbee for Scooter. Scooter's my older one who's, let's just say he's a little bit of a pissier dog than a little bit more of a pissier dog than Broly. He's still a very happy-go-lucky dog, but he's got a bit more of a temper than Broly. They've never, ever gone in a fight, but this has been my most difficult challenge with those two. I'll throw the Frisbee for Scooter. He'll get it. On his way back, I'll also throw the Frisbee for Broly. And Broly will not only catch the Frisbee, but on his whole run back, he starts pushing his Frisbee into Scooter. He's like, oh, hey, brother, look, I got a Frisbee. Look, look, look. And he's like the annoying little brother. And Scooter is completely tolerant of it, and he runs back towards me. But I don't want him thinking that every time he tries to run back to me, his brother is going to come get in his way and bother him. Mm -hmm. That was a challenge. I had to repeatedly, I had to throw the Frisbee different directions of the field for a while, and then I just dealt with them with the e-collar and I had to be careful because I didn't want to correct Broly too high or else he would drop the frisbee on his way back that was very difficult but Mm -hmm. I I don't know if that would have turned into a fight over the next five years I don't want to I don't want to find out better to avoid it yeah I don't want to find out I don't know if it would have turned into a fight but I'm not looking five months down the line I'm looking like is this going to be a fight in three years when it heavily compounds Mm -hmm. Uh, because what if Scooter gets so annoyed that he fights Broly and then what if Broly starts thinking wow brother wants to fight me and then bam I have a fighting household Mm-hmm. Right, it it was built up over five years, but uh, it all happened in a day. So that's what a lot of people don't see. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So we should talk about bringing in a new rescue dog into an existing household. So okay, so when we mentioned rescue, we're talking any age, right? Like seven months Pretty plus. Much, I'd say that sure. Seven months plus. Okay. Would seven. you consider six months still a puppy? Yeah, a little. Like six is the. I would the cutoff. even say like. I would even say like anything over five. Yeah, that's Ma- when acts more like a dog than a okay. than a baby. baby so we'll say know? like five and a half months plus. Five and a half. Plus. I guess. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's when a dog is like more of a dog than a puppy. Yeah. That's that's when other dogs become less tolerant. I'd say. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh yeah. Bringing home a new rescue. Um, what personalities to bring in? Okay. So if you're bringing in an older dog. And if you have a dog that is, let's, let's say your dog is just bad with male dogs. Why the hell are you going to go get a male dog? Like, that's <laughs> yeah. just, that should be common sense. I don't care yeah. if you want a male dog. If your dog has proven to be bad around male dogs their whole life, mm-hmm. why would you go get a male dog? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. If your dog has proven to hate big dogs their whole life, 
and uh, never been okay with one. And even if they have been, it took a long, long, long time. Unless you really, really want to put in the work and make it work, why, why go get a big giant dog? I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's just the way I look at it. Maybe it's better to get a small dog, but look for personality types that work. Yep. Right? If your dog clearly does not like a certain type of dog, just stay away from that type of dog. Don't mm -hmm. bring that dog into your house. Mm -hmm. uh, if, I was gonna, if I were going to bring in a puppy or a dog or whatever it is, and if my dogs were just not interested in that dog, I would not even consider keeping that dog. Yeah. Not even for a second. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what like, personalities? Ex explain a little more. Like, based on... Like, uh, I think we should talk about, like, the kind of personality your dog has in the first place. What would be a suitable personality for that? So, if you have a... Let's say you have a male dog, relatively pushy, relatively dominant. Mm -hmm. They would probably do best with a much more submissive... Female or male, but much more submissive, easygoing dog. Chill. Mm -hmm. One that's not going to put up too much of a fight because your other dog will be okay with in their level of confidence. Mm -hmm. If you have another dog that's that's going to contest them all the time, you could have problems. Mm -hmm. You could very well have problems. Um, and the other on the other side of the spectrum, let's say you have a very easygoing, like nervous female dog, um, or just a nervous dog in general, and you're mm -hmm. bringing another dog that's just a little bit too pushy, yeah. that could be a problem. Yeah. Because it could really piss off your nervous dog. Mm -hmm. So uh, two nervous dogs always seems to work out great together. Yeah. <laughs> two nervous dogs is a great mix. Um, they somehow develop confidence together. <laughs> they do, but then they also don't try to agitate each other. Exactly. As much. Because they're more dogs. independent. Too. Yeah. Um, however, if you find like, if you have a nervous dog and then you get a relatively confident but not pushy other dog mm -hmm. your nervous dog can flourish it just depends like you have to mm -hmm. be really careful with these situations like if you have a respectful other dog but with a lot of confidence your nervous dog will follow that dog everywhere like wow mm -hmm. i love you i'll follow you everywhere mm -hmm. you make me more confident than my human does <laughs> yeah. yeah those are good yeah you have anything to add that's kind of like wolfie and ashton yeah like wolfie was like meh i don't really care for anything outside and then now she's like now that Ashton's there, she's like, wow, this guy's not afraid of anything. And we regularly use, like, more confident dogs in training sessions with nervous dogs. Yeah. Just because for some reason they just, not for some reason, it's just genetic. It's their own species. They see their own species being confident and they kind of just follow suit. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. If you have a nervous dog, it is kind of better to have something that's a little bit more confident. Yep. Um, or, like you even said, <laughs> having two nervous dogs together. It's, it's good. Yeah. I think you kind of will know, but uh, I'll go over, like, personal examples. Uh, when I had my beagle, she was very, very indifferent about dogs. She's like, oh, another dog. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's how she always was. Um, but there were certain dogs that she really gravitated towards, and it was always like, so she was a female I would say more more of a dominant female dog. She really liked dominant male dogs. Like mm -hmm. very pushy, very dominant male dogs. That's why I kept Scooter because Scooter was so pushy towards her. And she didn't like it for, for maybe a day or so. And then after that, she's like, okay, I kind of like this dog. Mm -hmm. She followed him everywhere, barked at him all the time. He would bark and get into a play bow and he'd run around her. And she, she really liked that. So you kind of need to find out. And you probably know your dogs pretty well in social situations. You want to find out what your dog likes. Mm hmm Right? It's like, we don't click with every dog we meet, so your dog is definitely not going to click with every dog you meet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's very true of a lot of dominant female dogs. They like a really dominant male dog. They do. Because they're kind of lazy. They're just kind of like, they just like having someone to go do their dirty work for them, basically. <laughs> that's kind of what do. it feels like, right? They do. Yeah. yeah. But then if they have like, I don't know, they really take advantage of like insecure male dogs and stuff like that oh too. yeah they bully them they're bullies yeah they bully them yeah. uh if you have a dominant female dog like it's kind of hard to tell but you you'll you probably know like if your dog is a marker 
wants to mark, and if it's a female, pees on everything. Uh, if your dog is a little pushy, will start a fight if provoked. You probably have more not of a shaky over anything. Not shaky, yeah. Nothing scares them. Yeah, then, then you probably have a pretty dominant female dog. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I was walking with my beagle, and you know, there's those little transformer boxes like mm-hmm. on the side of the road, and they're made of like heavy aluminum. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they f- if they fall on the ground, they make a crashing noise. Mm-hmm. So I remember I was walking. It was a really really windy day, and one flew and hit my hit Moxie in the head, mm-hmm. and she just kept walking as if nothing happened. <laughs> it was pretty I'm funny. so dead. Like hit her and like. Could have given her a concussion. I don't know. But she just, she's like, oh, uh, like, ow. And then kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's pretty funny. But uh, the dogs have very, if they're a dominant female dog, they have a very, like, consistent temperament of, like, nothing really scares them. They're relatively mm-hmm. confident. But they do really like confident male dogs. Mm-hmm. They usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, good. Anything to add there? No, I think that that sounds good. Let's I would say about- usually biggest issues we've seen, I get a lot of questions about this, is, Male to male household, uh, male yeah. and male household. A lot of people have problems with it. Uh, it's pretty easy to get problems in a male to male household because if mm-hmm. you don't have strict management, there could be a problem. My guys have never been in a fight, but uh, I'm pretty strict in the house. I don't let them do much. Yeah. Um, I would always recommend have a male female household. It's always easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It usually seems usually obviously this is not the the 100% rule. Um, it usually seems that male to male dog issues sometimes can be like redeemed if there's proper structure in the house later yeah um whereas female dogs not so much <laughs> yeah yeah when- like if your two male dogs get in a fight and and you really really work hard to put everything back together and never have any kind of confrontational behavior between the two of them um you in some cases you'll see those dogs playing again in in a lot more cases than you'll see in female dogs though like female dogs are known to hold more of a grudge in certain cases like lucy's a good example (laughs) like yeah when you accidentally stepped on her tail and then she just decided i hate you for the rest of your life but then we have a lot of male dogs here that we can have an issue with and then immediately they'll be playing with us a few days later exactly right exactly yeah and uh, i think that goes for not even just female 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 male too like if the female gets pissed off She'll even hate on the oh, yeah. for a long, long, long time. Yeah, that's why I yeah. think Ashton's really a girl. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely. He's yeah. a resentful boy. <laughs> yeah. He's a sensitive, like sensitive. At least he's cute. Sensitive dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. But even then, he can he can get over issues fairly quickly. Yeah. Like he, I think I was playing with a soccer ball with him once, and there was one. We had a German Shepherd that used to hike with us, and. Ashton had the soccer ball. The other dog tried to play with him, and and he like he just threw a hissy fit about it, and like screamed and like barked at the other dog, and then and then like twenty minutes later he was playing with that dog again. What a guy! Yeah, he's got yeah. a temper. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's bred so with dumb. a temper. <laughs> but then female dogs, they have an issue, and they're like, I hate you forever. <laughs> Shunned. Good. Uh, okay, Talk bring about in, in a puppy. Puppies, perfect. Okay. Cool. You want to start? Sure. Um, most important thing, I think the, the 100% most important thing with bringing in a new puppy into a home with an adult dog is don't let your puppy run all over the adult dog and be rambunctious and crazy and stuff like that. There are lots of dogs that we've seen that this has been kind of okay, but it's very, very, like it's a very small select group of dogs. Um, I would say my Freddy and then that Freddy, that, that doodle Freddy. Any dog named Freddy <laughs> basically yeah. is okay with being a little bit bullied by a puppy. Yeah. Um, but these are like the most, the extremely social, extremely, extremely social, resilient dogs. And you don't see very many of those dogs. 
Even yep. if you think your dog is extremely resilient, it's not. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. Like, I'm sorry, not. guys, but it's not. your dog is not that resilient. It's not. <laughs> we, we see so many dogs. Everyone tells us, oh, yeah, my dog's great. My dog's this and that. Super social. And then the dog comes resilient. in, we're like, this person lied to us on the phone. <laughs> yeah. But by now, we know. I've, yeah. I'd say of every 100 dogs we meet, one of them is, like, fully fully social and and a complete pillow like mm-hmm. anything can happen to them and they're fine mm-hmm. and of all these hundred people everyone has told us are my dog's amazing with everything mm-hmm. no it's not <laughs> yeah sorry but no it's not we like when people are realistic so mm-hmm. yeah but uh to find those really stable solid social dogs very rare even then if you have that super solid dog that can get jumped all over by a puppy if you love your dog why are you letting it get annoyed and bothered and all exactly. that kind of stuff even if it's very sweet exactly just give them some space if they're adults they don't like all that bouncing all around them like it's like if you go to a family function and they make you sit at the kids table like exactly why would you want to do that you want to just hang out with the adults you want to have a nice chill conversation that's age appropriate and puppies bouncing all over adult dogs is not age appropriate yeah they get pissed quickly yep so um and we could tell you guys about situations we've seen all over the past year Mm-hmm. We've seen like people with very aggressive dogs getting puppies. Like, oh yeah, <laughs> we've seen lots, lots. Yeah. We've, we've seen some craziness. We saw someone with a with a killer Akita. This a guy gu- was not okay with anything. Like, <laughs> he wanted to murder garden. us. He wanted to murder his own family in front of us. <laughs> this dog. Yeah, this dog almost fought its own family. Yeah, in front of us, it was crazy. <laughs> it was insane. Attacked everybody, and they ended up getting a Pomeranian puppy. Like, and they called us and they said, "Hey, what would you think?" So I, talk, I talked to them on the phone a couple of times. They wanted to do a board and train with their Akita. They never went through with it. I don't know why. Uh, and then they called me one day, and I recognized their caller ID. And they said, oh, hey, we're thinking of getting a puppy Pomeranian. I was like, aren't you guys the ones with the Akita? And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we are. And I said, oh, um, isn't that dog very please, aggressive? Please and they were like, yeah. And I was like, uh... I think that would be the dumbest idea on earth, <laughs> bringing in a new Pomeranian puppy. Mm-hmm. And uh, they did do it. We went to go see them. And obviously it was hard. I don't know what's happened with them. Like we saw them a couple times. And I, I think they just, uh, they kept the Akita as a guard dog outside. So I don't know what they're doing with the other dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was crazy. Like that dog wanted to kill everybody. Uh, we've met lots of other dogs where dogs have just wanted to kill the other dog or dogs hated other dogs. And they thought bringing in a puppy was just going to be smart. Yeah. If your dog is aggressive like definitely aggressive towards dogs and will attack a dog and you have no control of that dog and you bring in a puppy, your life is not going to be easy. I don't know when you thought it was going to be easy, but your life is not going to be easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, Okay. So leashes, leash and tools on the puppy. So what should you have for a puppy if you bring in a puppy and you have another dog, an older dog? Mm -hmm. A flat collar and flat collar leash, four foot or six foot leash. Yeah. Thin, cheap leash. Uh, teach your dog obedience i would honestly keep them separated for a while like have the older dog do a place command or just lay down and then have your puppy come out of the crate and train with you on a leash Mm -hmm. and walk around with you and hang out with you and have them socially exist as much as possible Mm -hmm. create them beside each other i would say yep Uh, as much as you can they need to be beside each other a lot Mm -hmm. and basically do not let that puppy annoy your dog yeah (laughs) that's your only job yeah that is literally your only job if you do that you'll succeed quickly yeah yeah pretty much always have that puppy on leash yeah don't let it have even just going back to like basic puppy raising um the dog should be on leash anyway so it's like still still focus on your basic puppy like introductions to your house and all that kind of stuff and how you should properly raise the dog um so definitely have it on leash with the flat collar and the the handle part cut off 
Yeah. So that it's not getting caught on everything. That's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, super important. The when I got Broly, uh, I I still did not know Scooter that well. I only had Scooter for like I think three months at that point. Wild. I, <laughs> Two male puppies at the same time. That's wild. yeah. So when I got Broly, I was like, okay, I don't. I still don't really trust Scooter. He's been reliable with dogs, but yeah. I do remember how he was when he got when I got him, and I don't yeah. know how quickly Broly can piss him off. So when I got Broly, Broly was biting me every second of the day, jumping and hanging off my pants, attacking me every day. And I said, yeah. I, I can't put this dog beside Scooter because he's going to heavily piss off Scooter. So I just waited about, I'd say 25 to 30 days until Broly was a little more mature. So yeah. instead of eight weeks, I waited until he was 12 weeks. He was still insane, but I was like, I need to get this over with. So they saw each other every single day for a month. Mm-hmm. Scooter jumped out of the crate. He went up to Broly. Broly was like in his playpen. They sniffed each other. Broly licked him. Scooter licked him back. And then we ran to the backyard to play. Uh, so they were around each other for a solid month before I let them interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on like day 25, 30, whatever it was, I let them interact and they acted like they knew each other for ages. Like they were like okay, best good. buddies. Burley was very, very calm and submissive. Scooter ran around and pulled him. And then Burley jumped and started uh, fighting with him. And it was great. They had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And I've never had a problem with them to this day. And I've been very careful. But I took my first 30 days patiently. If Scooter's own initial reaction with Burley was this puppy's gonna annoy the hell out of me i could be screwed today who knows yeah who knows yeah it's the same as when um before i brought ashton home i made sure to really really heavily socialize him with wolfie through a lot of like i basically just put them on place next to each other a lot and i was lucky because he was already 15 16 17 weeks when i actually took him home and he was nervous of dogs oh yeah he was yeah Yeah, because we had a little chocolate lab here at the same time when Ashton was boarding training, boarding, <laughs> board and training. And she used to climb on the tables and then like, what do you call that? What do you call Five that? Five star move? frog splash. That's what that is. What's it called? Elbow drop. <laughs> she used to elbow drop him. She would jump she off jump the table. and do the whole and, like, leg drop. <laughs> and like, and like, like, what's that? What's that leg move? Leg drop. Oh, is this called drop a kick. leg drop or an oh, elbow drop. drop? Whatever it is. His names aren't that creative. Whatever. <laughs> What's a full close, Nelson? Close What's line. that? That's no. this with the arms, right? Oh my god. Is that what that is? Okay. <laughs> Isn't that what that is? Let's just go with elbow drop. Okay. So he, she used to like elbow drop him and he was very nervous of dogs. And then I think he just he just gained more confidence after we just calmed that little psycho girl down. Um but he we he just worked on a nervous. lot of yeah, a lot of him just chilling out and then Wolfie eventually got to a point where she's like, Wow, look at this boring puppy here. I'm just gonna go see what's up with it. She'd like smack him a few times and then they started playing and they were fine together. Yeah. Um, I was lucky though because that dog already went through a board and train. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? <laughs> so he already had some level of o- obedience before I wanted to take him home. Exactly. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Um, you just structured things properly and they yeah. did fine. They yeah. did fine. Uh, and now it, they're best friends. Yeah, Wolfie is obsessed with him. Wolfie is obsessed with Ashton. <laughs> obsessed. Uh, okay, so gear for the adult dog. I will put a muzzle on the dog. If the dog does have a history of wanting to fight, uh, make sure you keep an e-collar on. And the other thing is if the dog likes to latch on to dogs and really, really want to kill them, we could talk about that after. Yeah. But just get a dominant dog collar and a handle. I would recommend that. Or a dominant dog collar and a leash if you have a very hard time grabbing them and they're really fast. Yeah. Um, I, I would always recommend that. If, if two dogs are going to fight and if you know they're going to fight to the death, if you, don't, if you don't have a dominant dog collar on them all day that's fitted... You're going to have a problem. You're going to struggle. You're going to have a problem breaking them up. So we get a lot of people ask us how to break up a dog fight. There's nothing really you can do. You should have a break stick, but nothing really you can do that's non-physical, like heavily physical, 
You're allowed to yeah. throw stuff at them. You, if you have a hose handy, use the hose. You'll have to kick them as hard as you can. Like there, there's a lot mm-hmm. you you can have to. There's this whole like, gr- like everyone in the world seems to think you can break apart a dog fight just with slip leads. Yeah. Well, how the ha- you know how do these people here? who have never worked with dogs think they're getting slip leads onto fighting dogs? Yeah. Especially like bullies. How yeah. do you think you're going to break apart two mat? This neck muscles are going to bust through your cheap ass little <laughs> freaking slip lead. Do you think yeah. you can, if a dog is latched on, how are you getting that over its neck? Yeah. That's if you happening. have no experience. That's why they should have the fight. dominant dog in hand. Like if, a, if you know your dog is going to kill a dog. Yeah. And you don't have a dominant dog on them and, uh, and a handle. Your dog should have that on. Yeah. You're going to be screwed. Yeah. Like one day. You should just, and it's not, it's not like hard. You just get a very small dominant dog. You get a very mm-hmm. small handle, like a one-footer, and you let it hang off. And yeah. you can easily grab it in a fight, like very easily. I've seen it happen oh, many yeah. times. You can grab it. You can choke your dog right off, and, and you'll be safe. But if yeah. you don't, yeah. And I don't know. People come to our facility all the time, and they're like, oh, I heard the way you break up a dog fight is you grab their back legs. and you. <laughs> okay, how do you do that? Tell me. How do you do that? Now, why don't you go into a UFC cage fight, wait for two people to get into a fight, and try to grab their legs? This is like, you know you haven't seen a dog fight because you don't understand how fast dogs really yeah, are. Yeah, and you don't understand how fighting. much adrenaline goes through your mind. Like, you mm. literally can't even do anything. Yeah. yeah. One thing that actually does work really well is the really, really extremely high-pitched air horns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But that's because that's basically causing a, a physical, painful sensation to the dog's ears, though. Exactly. Yeah. My only worry with that is that they zone back in on each other and go for it again. I know. <laughs> yeah, you have to have some kind you of physical control. That gives you a second to break. You got to do that, and then you give them a spear. You know. <laughs> what? Yeah, you run at them and you spear them, like I'm you know dead. the wrestling move. And <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, Castle's talking about like a spear, like a no, not like a spear. spear. I'm like, what the hell? Like what is this guy talking like about? A, like some like a football takedown. Oh, I thought you meant a spear, like you know. Oh, you were talking about wrestling, moves, so I thought you knew about wrestling. Anyways. No, all I know is full Cass Nelson. Cass watches lots of wrestling. There's a half Nelson and a full Nelson, right? Cass watches lots of wrestling. I'm trying to get her to stop. It's I don't kinda, watch it's that. It's kind of like nerdy. I don't watch that. <laughs> okay, that next. Nonsense, that <laughs> um, I'm just kidding, That's guys. I don't know watches wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Okay, so most important thing is don't let the puppy be all over the adult. Super yep. important until the adult is showing interest. Uh, and have the, have the appropriate gear in case something happens. Mm-hmm. Cool? Yeah, be proactive, not reactive. Yep. Uh, okay, next. Initial introductions. Okay, so when you, ha- when you have an initial introduction with these dogs, like if it's a puppy, if it's an older dog, just go for a walk first, 15 to 20 minutes. Make sure the dogs are showing some level of interest with each other. Place them near each other. If they want to inspect each other, let them do it. But you know your dog, like I said, if your dog gets sniffed and attacks, don't do that. <laughs> don't mm-hmm. let them sniff each other. Just let them hang out for a bit. They're not comfortable yeah. enough to get sniffed uh, without having a fight. So if you know your dog, wait for them to really, really be around each other a lot until your dog shows any level of interest, then you can let them interact. Mm-hmm. But don't do anything until then. Yeah, don't rush anything. Yeah. And if you're concerned, call a trainer and have them there for initial introductions. Yeah, for all this stuff, people should always call a trainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now we can start talking about more serious things. Occasional okay. fights. Uh-huh. Um, I would say almost every single house with a multi-dog... Every single multi-dog household has probably had some kind of problem. Maybe not every, but like 99% of them have probably had some kind of problem. Like, I don't know, maybe your dog was over a bone and your other dog went near them and boom. They got into like a little fight. Mm -hmm. Or maybe one of your dogs was barking at the doorbell and then your other dog was running with them barking at the doorbell and they like redirected on each other. Mm -hmm. You know, like something. Yeah, yeah, true. Everyone's probably had something. 
And the thing is, a lot of people see that as normal dog communication. Yeah. That's not normal. The problem with occasional problems is people don't take them seriously. They just like write, mm-hmm. write it off like, oh, it's probably just a one-off. Yeah, that is not how you have a healthy yeah. dynamic between your dogs. If your dogs ever feel the need to scare each other with their teeth or anything like that, that's not okay. Exactly. Yeah. It's very similar to if you have a sibling and your parents didn't make you guys deal with your problems or sort it mm-hmm. out and become friends again. And usually that's done patiently over time. But let's say you had compounding issues. Like let's say you got in a fight with a sibling and then the next day, I don't know, the sibling went into the fridge and took the last little bit of cereal that you had and milk and just finished off your cereal. And then you wake up, you're like, wow, my stupid sibling took my cereal. And then there's small little <laughs> resentment that just keeps adding every single day. And then they get into a exactly. bigger fight. And then even if that's not resolved, they get into a bigger fight and then a bigger fight. And then they're fighting every day and then they never talk again. This mm-hmm. kind of stuff happens. Very similar with your dogs. If they get into a small fight and you don't fix that relationship and make them into each other again, you're going to have problems long term. Because mm-hmm. usually dogs get into a fight and then you let it be and then... And then they go back to full level freedom. Yeah. I'm definitely just thinking about that analogy of the siblings yeah. and I think that's that's 100% true. Yeah. Because like if my brother and I ever got into it, we would, you know, the corner, the old trick, go stand in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> we used, my parents used to make us do that. And then we would like... It's effectively the same idea as dogs waiting on place or waiting in a down and then kind of like egging on the other sibling. We used to like sit in the corner and we'd be pissed off at each other for five minutes and then we'd look at each other and we would go like three, two, one and we would swap corners <laughs> and then we'd run again. <laughs> and then we were friends five minutes later. Oh, wow. Just because of the structure that my, our parents like <laughs> kind of introduced. If my kids got into a fight, if I had kids, you know what I would do? <laughs> And then we would shoot each other with Nerf guns, yeah. and then we would slide across the wall. I would, I would literally, if, I, if my kids got into a fight, I would make them impersonate each other. So I'd be like, okay, from now on. That's going to make them hate <laughs> each other more. I'll, just, I'll be like, okay, from now on, this is, your name is him. <laughs> is that, that guy's name or, or sister's name or whatever. And this, okay. this is your new duty now. That's what you're going to be for the rest of the day. You have to act like <laughs> them, dress like them. Yeah, for the whole day. And if, uh, if that doesn't... I feel like that would make them want to fight more. You think more. so? I mean, I don't know. It's oh, yeah. Worth... If your mom made you dress like your sister... Not dress like my sister. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I just... No, act like your sister? You would be making I so many jokes about laugh, her. But then again, the world's more sensitive nowadays, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, never mind. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, yeah, occasional fights... I, I personally think you should take this more seriously than dogs that want to kill each other. The reason you want to do that is because if dogs want to kill each other, uh, it's obvious you have to do something. At least you know. At least you know, like, <laughs> hey, is, this is serious. I need to get something done. You know done. how important but it is. But if it's occasional, it will maybe one day become serious. Mm-hmm. So occasional fighting, serious structure. So yep. what I would recommend to everyone is create the dogs a lot. Create them right beside each other all day. Um... You don't really need to do the dominant dog collar on each of them with the handle, but if they if they will fight to the death, yeah, yeah, then put a dominant dog and a handle on them because mm-hmm. like I haven't met many dogs that will do that, but I, I know there are many dogs out there that will. Oh yeah. Like I I've seen them here. We haven't met many once again, but we've seen them, and we've seen what they can do if they get into a fight. They will literally latch onto your dog's spine and shake until they die, mm-hmm. and that's that's very scary. Have we had any dog killers here? Uh, not last year, surprisingly, but the years, the many years before I've seen many, I've seen dogs rip off like sides of dogs' heads. We had, no, Lucy didn't count. She had mercy on that dog. Yeah, she did. (laughs) (laughs) She did. Uh, Mm. I know we had one last year. I can't remember though. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember, but I don't know. I think in Toronto, people are a little more safe. We don't have as many, uh, 
I know it sounds bad, but a lot of pits, when they get into a fight, even if they're the sweetest dogs in the world, if they get into a fight, like that fight is going until the end <laughs> if you don't mm-hmm. do something. So mm-hmm. we don't have as many pits here as we do in the U- as they do in the U.S. So I think people yeah. in the U.S. see a lot more dogs that have potentially killed dogs. I think yeah. also like mouths, <laughs> the mouths that we meet here are, they're so badly bred that I don't think they bite strong enough to kill a dog. Unfortunately. I think we've seen some German shepherds though that would likely if they had the chance. Definitely. Yeah. 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 So for that situation, just make sure you have the right gear. So dogs in the crate beside each other all the time. If the dogs are out of the crate, you need to micromanage everything. Like if the dog is in a down and decides to move up and go lay down beside your other dog, who the hell allowed your dog to do that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who said the dog could get up and move and lay down beside your other dog? What if that pisses off your other dog and you don't want your dogs ever possessing any space? Super important. So don't let them go on the couch because... If one of them's on the couch and your other dog goes near them, what if they get into a fight? Yeah. It's, it's not like guaranteed, but what if? The what ifs are much stronger when the dogs are on items like the couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it, when you have dogs that are that willing and committed to want to do harm to another dog, you basically like live the life of a prison warden. Yeah. Right? Like you kind of have to think like if this dog is this extreme, it's kind of living a life of like basically a prisoner because yeah. it's because of its intensity to do stuff like that exactly right it is Um, kind of the dog the canine equivalent of that yeah and uh Mm -hmm. resources are absolute no-go no resources around each of them oh yeah especially if they're uh protective sorry their possessiveness around the resource has a big radius so you know what if they're in the oh yeah what if they're in the living room and you give them a ball and they fly 10 feet to attack another dog then just get rid of the freaking resources (laughs) yeah it's not not necessary also no barking in the house that can be so bad. Oh, yeah. If they get into a high state of arousal by barking, and if one of them starts barking at the window and then the other one gets into a high state of arousal and runs beside yeah. him barking, then those two will get into a fight. Just redirecting yeah. each other. Don't let that happen. Yeah. So very low arousal in the house. Uh, also make sure that those dogs are just not breaking a place command or a down command near you. Oh, but they yeah. need to be around each other all the time. Yeah. Uh, personally, if they were my dogs, let's say I had two occasionally fighting dogs, I would make them. I would not let them make a single decision in the house until they've been super reliable. Occasionally fighting or killer dogs. Like you know, they get into like a fight, one of them bleeds, but it's not crazy, oh. and then they act like they're friends oh, they after, but it? they're yeah. kind of not. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. I would not trust. Or they're stiff around each other after that. Uh, what I would do is I would have them hang out beside each other all the time. If I'm cooking mm-hmm. and if I drop any food, they're not allowed to budge. Uh, they're in command pretty much all day. They walk together all day. They're spending lots yeah. of time with each other, but they're not interacting. Like, yeah. they're not making choices to interact. I'm telling them, you guys can play now, go play. And then when I tell yeah. them it's done, it's done. And then when they come yeah. into the house, you guys both lay down, don't move. I'm yeah. going to do something, I'm going to clean, I'm going to cook, whatever. Don't engage. And then if they engage, yeah. they're, they're in huge trouble. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge, huge trouble. And then they would just hang out until they realize, wow, that's a tight ship around here. And then yeah. they realize they cannot ever, ever get away with a fight again. And if they try... Right back to square one. I'll, I'll, I will give them a pretty heavy correction for the fight, but I'll pull them off first for yeah. even trying that kind of stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't want to e-call or correct a dog in a fight. Uh, it could really set things badly. Or oh, yeah. Usually with most dogs I've ever dealt with that try to get into a fight, even with my hiking group, I usually yell uh, like no, and they stop yeah. with my voice because they're like, holy shit, yeah. he said no. I need to stop everything I'm doing. Yeah. So your verbal obedience needs to be strong. Um, cool. Okay, dogs that want to kill each other. I think the biggest issue with dogs that want to kill each other is they always stay separated. I think it's a big oh, problem. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
You're, the only way you're going to fix dogs that want to kill each other, dogs with aggression towards each other, is they need to be around each other every day, all the time. Yeah. But positively, not negatively. Yeah. And you can never, ever, even as, you can just never get comfortable. Even if they've had no incidents for like a long, long, long time, yeah. they could be harboring that for, for a long time too. Exactly. Exactly. And you can't trust those dogs. It's not even the fact of like their dynamic of the two of them fighting. It's the dogs themselves. Exactly. That need that high level structure also. Yeah. Like my, um, my ex-girlfriend's dog, Jasper, uh, one time <laughs> I was in the kitchen and he, he was all, he always guarded my ex-girlfriend. Always. He was yeah. just protective over her with dogs. Uh, he even tried to like attack Scooter once. And, uh, I remember I warned her, hey, move him. They're going to get into a fight. And she didn't. And then, and then Scooter ran into the house to say hello to her. And boom, Jasper went right for him. And yeah. Scooter dodged him because <laughs> Scooter's like, you're a doodle. What are you going to do? <laughs> but he was a little bit shocked that that happened. Um, and just the main thing there is the reason you want control over all the dogs is you're also going to protect that or you're going to stop that possessive temperament, territorial temperament from coming out. If yeah. the dog is already territorial and they're guarding a person, they could mm-hmm. fight you. They could fight another dog just because they came near you, which is very bad. So there's one yeah. time I was in the kitchen, or she was in the kitchen. I can't remember what she was doing. She dropped a piece of food. My dog, my beagle's food motivation is very high. She obviously is like, oh, what is that? It could be a screw. It could be a nail. It could be a battery. <laughs> She'll go swallow it. <laughs> so she dropped a little piece of food, and Jasper was standing right beside her, and my dog ran for it, and he didn't even know she dropped food. He just like went to attack her. Um, I, he luckily had his collar on him. So I lifted him off before he could do any actual damage. And like he, he got in huge trouble and then his life changed like forever after that. I was like, I'm not going to have this crap ever happen again in my house. And we had to change all the rules with her and him because he was protective towards her. So if you have a dog that's protective towards one of you in the household, change the rules heavily, Mm -hmm. heavily. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, anything to add? Dogs don't want to kill each other. Let me see. Just, just the idea of crate and rotate. That is the safest possible way to um, live with multiple dogs and that want to have issues and stuff. And muzzle, yeah. of course. But I think like if you don't feel confident in actually socializing these dogs and you don't have a huge skill set, but you have two dogs that are very dangerous, there's nothing wrong with crate and rotate. Mm-hmm. Basically, what that means is you never have one of the dogs out of the crate. Or you never have both dogs out of the crate at the same time. Which yeah, is totally. It, it's if you okay, have but if, dogs. like if they want to live with both dogs out and figure something out. If you have two dogs that want to kill each other and you're like you don't really have the skill set to deal with it, then then they should get help from a pro because think about they it, they, they don't want to live that life. You have to pick. You either what create and rotate killers? or you live on edge. That's what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. True, I would true, live true. on the edge. That's me. <laughs> but even like like. I don't know how I'm gonna say. This. In like a, of course you want to live on the edge, <laughs> but like in a in like a facility style situation. Yeah, we have dogs that would probably fight and kill each other, right? And we're probably not going to socialize them together. Uh, yeah, that, that's just just because that's we don't have to live with those dogs forever. But if they have to live that's with true. two dogs forever, I I don't think I guess, anyone yeah. wants to create and rotate for the rest of their life. I don't think anyone does. They they can. I it's guess. up to them. But I would say suck it up, change their rules heavily for a whole year. And hopefully you can have a nice nine years. But yeah. it is it is like the reason we're even saying create and rotate, yeah. it is extremely hard. Yeah. Like I always tell people, if I brought in a dog, a new dog, and if it dared start a fight with my two dogs, that dog is gone in a second. I won't I, yeah. I will pick up the phone the second I separate that dog from a fight and that dog's gone. Mm-hmm. I will not tolerate it. Yeah. yeah. For a second. 
Yeah. So, and even if that dog's been with me for a month, I still love my scooter brilliant Donna more. So if I, oh, Zani. Yeah, and if a dog is going to get into my household and ruin what I have, you're gone. I just don't yeah. care. Yeah, and sure. It might sound cold, but like, I've got enough dogs. There are many good dogs out there. Uh, this dog's probably easily going to find another house. I don't care. It's like, That's the thing, too, is that if your dogs don't really mesh that well together, yeah. there's really no harm in, in, getting in rehoming the dog. the dog and finding a better home for that exactly. dog. Exactly. But the people right? who would listen to this are not receptive to that information, usually. Like, and we know a lot of our followers, true, true, true. are they understand. But mm-hmm. it's just like the human comes first. And if you're going to get a dog that makes you think about when they're at work, they're like, great, I have to get home tonight and deal with my dogs that want to murder each other. That is yeah. no way to live. And then you go to yeah. bed and then you wake up and the weight that you have to carry of like, I, I have to get up, I have to take out my dogs, two of them want to murder each other, it's exhausting. And then you have to go to work and you have to live a normal life on top of your family fighting every day. It's, yeah. it's like not fun. <laughs> yeah. So personally, if it were me, I would get rid of one of them. Um, but yeah. if you want to make it work. At the very least have crates. Sorry? <laughs> at the very least have a crate in your at house. At the very least, yeah, crate and rotate one out at a time. Yeah. Uh, don't let them fixate on each other. Have a dominant, have a handle. Do not let them make a single decision around each other. Yeah. Like, it's as small as, why are you laying here on the floor in the middle of the kitchen? Who the hell told you to do that? Go back to your yeah. bed. Mm-hmm. Right? Because what if the dog starts possessing the kitchen space? And then what yeah. if your other dog walks over that dog? Boom, they get into a fight. Uh, very micro yeah. things you guys have to watch yeah. out for. It is hard to fix the latter problem, like two, two yeah. killing dogs, two dogs that want to kill each other, but it, it is still possible, but very hard. Mm-hmm. Very hard. Takes at least a year, I'd say. At least. Yeah. So, yeah. Anything to add? No, I think that's about it. Good. Um, cool. We started talking about how to bring a new puppy into your house, and then we turned straight into, like, <laughs> <laughs> the most horrible situation yeah, the horrible you could possibly situation. have. Yeah. So, yeah, remember the fun beginning of this. And then we talked about <laughs> And if wrestling. you guys are wondering, like, the this. only way to split up two dogs that want to kill each other in a fight, yeah. if you have the dominant dogs um, on, you have to grab those handles, lift those dogs up, like, straight yes. in the sky, straight up vertical, yeah. and due to the lack of oxygen, they will stop a fight. But if yeah. you don't have a dominant dog or a handle on them, good luck. You're using your body. You're going to get bit. Yep. <laughs> You're going to get stitches. Yep. Uh, good luck. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Get a pillow, throw it in there, get a hose, blast them. Mm-hmm. There's not much you can do. Yeah. yeah. It's very hard. Cool. Okay. That's everything. Cool. So if you guys have any questions or comments on this episode, I guess you can always message us on on Instagram and ask more questions if there was anything that was kind of left out that you wanted to cover too. Um, That's pretty much it from us today. Good. Great. Thanks guys. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day.